Thank you for listening to the Hillsview Men's Ministry. We are a group of men building relationships to equip and encourage each other. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, been married for 12 years. We have three kids. And about six years ago, we moved East River, uh, where we lived for about five years. And so we haven't been around this area during that time, of course. Um, this past summer, we were full-time mission, did full-time mission work with YWAM, uh, which is Youth with a Mission. And we went to... Um, uh, Wisconsin and Washington State and volunteered at some of their uh, their base camps is what they call them. And then at the end of September uh, we moved back here. Um, our middle son was having night terrors and uh, traveling and moving wasn't helping that so we moved back um, for some doctor's appointments. And, uh, and so now we're here for now. Um, at the beginning of this year I started taking online courses with Village Missions, and Village Missions is a mission that's been around since the 40s. Um, they place pastors in rural churches that can't find a pastor or can't afford a pastor, and most of the time it's both. Um, and so they train just ordinary people and uh, to fill that need in those churches, in those rural churches. Most of the churches are towns of just a couple hundred or less, or not even in town, just somewhere out in the country. Um, so I've been doing that throughout the year, uh, pretty much full time, and then I have one course left, and after that we'll be placed into an internship for a year with a pastor and, and their family, and then we'll have a year of doing some more courses and then just hands-on experience um, through that. And so that will likely be starting uh, sometime this fall. Um, so as part of preparation for becoming a pastor, um, they try to, or they encourage you to speak and to, to preach at church and whatnot, and so um, I reached out to Cal back in March, um, and he said, I have about 30 minutes uh, to share, but I figured once I get up here, he's not going to stop me, so, <laughs> yeah, so I need, I need some practice, so we'll see, we'll see how long it goes. Um, but I'm not, I, I'm not here because I feel qualified to, to be here. Um, there's a lot of, I'm half of most of your age or a third, and so there's a lot of, a lot of people here that know a whole lot more than I do. Um, I'm not a good speaker. I often mix up my words and tie my tongue. Um, but I'm here because of what God has done for me. And I just want to share um, kind of what he's done in my life. So, you know, if you're part of something big, like a, a team that wins a championship, a world championship or something, um, or maybe you're a person who's witnessed a life-changing event like a war or like the Atlas, the storm that we had about six years ago now. Um, if you're if you're a first-hand witness to that, um, you want to tell people about it because you have that experience. And or some people may ask you because you have that first-hand experience of that. Or um, you know you get some bragging rights because I was there and. Uh, Paul quotes Jeremiah in Corinthians. He says, 
let the one boast boast in the Lord. And so uh, that's what I want to do a little bit this morning. I want to boast about what God has done uh, in my life. And then I also want to answer a question that um, people have been trying to figure out for centuries. And people have figured it out, but I'm sure a lot of people haven't. And so I want to answer that question um, based on um, what God has, has shown me. Um, <clears throat> so I'll get to the question here in a second, but um, to answer that, I'm really going to fly through a bunch of Bible verses, and I want to tell you a little bit about my, my life story, and uh, hopefully by the time we're done, we just have a bunch of glory for God. So the question is, uh, why do we exist? Or maybe more specifically, why do I exist? Um, what's my identity, or why did God create me, specifically? And I'm sure there's a few answers to that question that would warrant a compelling discussion. Um, so maybe there's just not one, but I want to focus on what I've found to be the biblical answer to that question. So without saying the answer, how many of you know the answer? Raise your hand. Um, <clears throat> maybe you're like me, and because of circumstances in your life, you've only answered that question in the last five or ten years. Um, maybe you answer that question uh, 30, 40, 50, 60. Not sure for how far to go back here. 70, uh, 80 years ago. How about 70? <laughs> so maybe you figured it out, um, and maybe you're still asking that question. Um, but before I get to the answer of it, I just want to tell you a little bit about my childhood and um, how I grew up. So I was raised in a legalistic uh, cult. Um, they would consider themselves uh, Christians, but I remember having a conversation with one of the their ministers, they call them workers. Um, and I remember having a conversation with them, and maybe it, maybe it wasn't with me, I just overheard it, but the question was brought is, what do we say when people ask what, what denomination we are? And they, the first thing is they always say, well, we're non-denominational. We're, you know, we're just, and somebody asks, well, uh, can we say we're a Christian? And to us, that's crazy to think about, you know, can we say we're a Christian? Um, but I remember saying, well, yeah, we're you know, the, the worker said, well, yeah, we can say we're Christian. But it was just um, just that experience of, you know, not really even knowing what we were. And uh, I was a third-generation member, so I was born into the group. My parents were born into the group. And early in my grandparents' uh, lives, they joined the group. Um, they practiced verses plucked out of the Bible, taken out of context. Um, they believe that they're the the exclusive way to heaven. Um, they believe that one who is to share the gospel must be unmarried and homeless and journey in pairs like when Jesus sent out the 72 disciples in Luke. Uh, but if you keep reading, I think it's like 13 verses later, they return from that specific mission and uh, 
in those specific um, guidelines that, that he gave them. And I'll tell you right now, and most of you know this, but there's no religion, there's no church, there's no set of rules or laws or way to dress uh, that's going to get you to heaven. Um, it's in Christ alone, through faith alone, that promises us eternal life. In Romans 10, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then in Romans 3, uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. So that should give you a little bit of a clue to the answer. Um, <clears throat> my wife Marissa is Steve and Julie Birch's daughter. And uh, Steve and Julie were one of the families that started Hillsview umpteen years ago. Um, and somehow she got sucked into this group when we got married. Um, the, the group outwardly, things looked pretty, pretty good. They're a conservative group. They have genuine, tight-knit fellowship. Um, they claim to be following Jesus, and they often use the phrase, just like Jesus did, or just like in the first century church. Um, and it's amazing how the devil can, you know, sh uh, wolves and sheep clothing. And it's amazing how the devil can take uh, somebody who uh, wasn't part of such a group and disguise it into being something different. So a few years after we got married, Marissa left, my wife, and uh, after God had you know, convicted her that something wasn't, wasn't right there after she learned a little bit more about it. And growing up in it, you know, we don't, you don't see anything different. It's all, um, it's life. It's the way it is. The next year after she left was, um, was really tough for us because we were very unequally yoked. Uh, for me, our relationship was so rocky that it came down to uh, divorce or divorce and go to heaven or stay married and go to hell. And that was the, the mind control that this group has on, on people. Um, of course, when faced with such a decision, one doesn't take that lightly. And I think probably the first time in my life I actually prayed. I, you know, I prayed before. Um, but the group is such an outwardly based group that um, as long as everything looks good on the outside, that's what, you know, that's what matters. Um, <clears throat> and that's not just with that group. That's a, a common thing. Um, so I prayed. <clears throat> um, I loved my wife very much, but I didn't want to go to hell. So I, I, I prayed, show me what's right basically. Just tell me what's right. Is it, is it this, what I was raised, an exclusive group to get to heaven? Or was there a different way? And I was laying in bed, my eyes were wide open, and uh, I feel privileged to have, uh, I guess, what I would consider a vision. Uh, I was just laying there, and there was this diamond, and it was spinning, and this bright white light came out of it. It just kept getting brighter and brighter. And it was just the purest light. And God just simply brought the verse to mind, uh, John 14, 6. And it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except for, through me. 
And so I was like, awesome, I can still be married, and I can still go to heaven. I mean, that was the, that was how dramatic that was. So that led me to leaving the group, um, <clears throat> and I left. And after, for a while afterwards, I described, self-described myself as losing my identity. Um, and that kind of goes back to that main question, why do we exist? What is my identity? And uh, <clears throat> I went through a couple years just kind of feeling lost. I felt like uh, I'd lost everything except for my wife and our family. Um, we lived in the same house. We lived, had the same jobs. We had the same cars. Everything else was the same. But it, it was just an emptiness. And <clears throat> the, the main thing, I guess, is probably because hundreds of people that I had known for the 25 years of my life were just gone. The relationships and the um, friendships just gone overnight because people in this group don't spend a whole lot of time with people who are going to hell, right? So why, why spend time with people outside the group? And so I didn't have any close friends outside the group. Um, <clears throat> if something needed to be done, like paint the room in the living room or something, I would just be like, well, what's the point? The house could burn down tomorrow. And so I just went through this, I guess, the grief process of, of not not caring and, and just uh, trying to figure out what my identity was. And uh, Ron's, maybe one of one of Ron's favorite verses, um, <coughs> Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And so at this time, God had showed me the way to heaven, but I hadn't renewed my mind to that yet. And as Ron says, that's something we need to do every day and every hour and every minute sometimes, is renewing our mind to who we are, um, who we are in, in Christ. So, <clears throat> I was, like I said, I was that question of why I existed. Um, and so let's get to the answer. In Isaiah 43, 7, uh, he says... Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, and uh, whom I formed and made. So in my, like I said, there could be more than one answer to this question, but um, in my opinion, uh, this pretty much wraps it up, um, that we were created and we exist for God's glory. And um, <clears throat> we're probably familiar with the verse in Corinthians that says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, <clears throat> whatever is everything else. And so in everything that we do, um, we should be doing it for the glory of God. The whole earth, the universe, and everything created in, in it was for God's glory. And everything that God does is for his glory. Um, I want to share a, a little passage from a book that I read by John Piper. Um, you don't have to agree with him if, with everything he says, but this is this passage is uh, it might shake you up a little bit because it did me when I read it, and so I just want to read a couple paragraphs from that. <clears throat> he says, "Nobody ever asked me who the most God-centered person in the universe, who is the most God-centered person in the universe, and then answered." God is, or is God an idolater? And then answered, no, he has no other gods before him. 
or what is the chief end to, of God? And then answered, God's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy his glory forever. Why is it important to be stunned by the God-centeredness of God? Because many people are willing to be God-centered as long as they feel that God is man-centered. This is a subtle, subtle danger. We may think we are centering our lives on God when we are really making him a means to self-esteem. Over against this danger, I urge you to ponder the implications, brothers, that God loves his glory more than he loves us and that there is a that is the foundation of his love for us. God's ultimate commitment is to himself and not to us, and there lies our security. God loves his glory above all. And then he quotes Isaiah, For my name's sake I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise I restrain it for you, and that I may not cut you off. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. And so, the, what is, I guess, the, the one question is, what does glory mean then? Um, and there's two different definitions, if you will. There's the glory that describes the attributes of God, uh, his love, his mercy, his power, um, everlasting, unchanging. And then there's the ascribed glory to God, which is the praise and worship that only God deserves. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Um <clears throat> So if we know that's what we're supposed to be doing is, is living for the glory of God, how does, how does one live that in their lives? Um, let's take a look at how our uh, free will humans are doing at that to glorify God. We know that there's nothing good that comes from our human efforts, as good and honorable as they may seem. Even our best intentions are tainted with some human reasoning, at least. Um, this shell that we live in called our bodies, or we're carnal and we have carnal needs. And so ultimately, we're going to have some sort of um, human intention behind just about everything we do. Um, and so I've got some verses here uh, kind of throughout the Bible that uh, describe, describe us as humans. It says, in Genesis uh, 6-5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of his thoughts, of the thoughts of his hearts, were only evil continually. And Isaiah says we've become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like uh, polluted garment or filthy rags. Um, Isaiah says, and I say, woe unto me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. Um, in Mark 7, he Mark is quoting Isaiah. He says, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and the fear of me is a commandment taught of man. Uh, and then he goes on to say, For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and devile a person. In Luke it says, no one is good except God alone. And then uh, in Romans 8, uh, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
So that leaves us with a pretty bleak picture of ourselves. Um, at least the human side of ourselves. Um, so how can we bring glory to God if there's nothing good in us? Um, and the answer is in Colossians. Colossians 1.27 uh, it says to them, he's talking to the saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so the only hope we have of glorifying God is through Christ, in Christ through us. Um, <clears throat> just before Jesus was crucified, uh, leading up to that, he said, but for this purpose I have come to this hour, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 1, I want to read a few verses here, but I want you to listen to listen with in in mind of um, of glory to God. Uh, so starting in the third verse in Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the uh, fullness of time to unite all things in him uh, which are in heaven and things in earth. In him we have attained a inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of his of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantor of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And so that's kind of the gospel in a nutshell, those verses. Um, but three or four times it mentions that because of uh, these things are because of his glory. And then uh, Romans 9, um, I guess I didn't write down the verses here. Uh, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what the molder... Will what is the molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out the same to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy which he has prepared for beforehand for glory even to us who 
has called not just the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Um, so when you, when you have the perspective of everything uh, is to glorify God, you see it everywhere in the Bible. It just pops up everywhere. Um, and not only when we read, we can see it um, through, through him working. And I just got I've just got a few more verses. I know this is there's a lot of verses here, but I think it's it's just it's amazing to be able to um, just to when you're reading just keep that in the back of your mind. And these verses just like I said they just pop up all over the place of why we were existed, um, and it's it's to bring the glory to God. Uh, in Jeremiah it says through our iniquities uh, testify against us though though our iniquities testify against us. Act, O Lord, for your name's sake. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but for your name give glory. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, and then in Revelations uh, we can see um, Paul's vision into heaven in uh, Revelations 4 or John, excuse me Uh, worthy are you Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they will exist and were created worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and then just one last one here uh, we exalt each one this is in first Thessalonians uh, 2:12. we exalt each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in the manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory and um, like I said, it's it's amazing to have this perspective when you when you're reading and just be able to see um, how little we are. And um, the Bible tells us that nations are like a drop in a bucket and accounted for as dust on the scales. And that's a nation, and we're just one little person. And uh, and we were created uh, to glorify God. And so it's a pretty awesome privilege that we have to be able to do that. Um, so I'll respect Cal and I'll stop. Um, but I encourage all of you to look look for God's glory and so that we can um, honor and, and give him glory as he deserves it.